Super Dave. Jim English, great to hear you again. I love it that we're back in action here. And, uh, you know, this is Jim English, and welcome to the Jim and the Super Dave and Jim show. And Super Dave, I got a suggestion from one of our listeners on how to organize our podcast because since we start off every podcast with a testimonial to Earl Randall Larson, it's hard to differentiate between all of our podcasts and where we are. So the listener suggested that we date these podcasts. So he'll know when he listens to the podcast what the date is. And by the way, that was Jeff Geiger, a good friend of mine who made the suggestion. So I thought he would implement it. It is Sunday, June 4th. We're talking NBA Super Dave and Jim. And we're talking about the finals here. But before we do that, we're going to have a memorial for Randall Larson. And what would you like to say about Randy, Super Dave? Well, what I think is appropriate here, especially the way you intro this, is the fact that uh, friendships, camaraderie, uh, the way people connect is, uh, is so important. And oftentimes, as we go through life and we get to a certain stage, Jim, uh, people that have been with us a long time uh, disappear from our lives and, and sometimes from our consciousness. And what you and I, uh, mostly because of your uh, idea and, and initiative in starting this podcast, we want to tribute, make a tribute of each of these podcasts to our mutual friend, uh, Earl Randall Larson. We call him Randy Larson six foot five machine of a basketball player, phenomenal human being, interesting, funny, uh, gregarious uh, personality, karma. I mean, he had it all. And I was privileged to know uh, him for over, for exactly 50 years, really. He passed away a couple of years ago. And that's why we start off every podcast uh, with a dedication to Randy and we know Randy's uh, up there uh, as a commissioner, as always, Jim. <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know if we've mentioned this or not. You know, we've done so many podcasts that I, I don't remember if we mentioned this about Randy, but he was extremely generous. When I was a roommate, you know, he cooked and grilled meat. He was a real carnivore. And he was great with the barbecue. And he used to cook me dinner probably every other week, which may not sound that much, except for the fact we were roommates for about three years. So consequently, he fed me a lot. And then even after we were no longer roommates and we kind of went our separate ways, I would drop by and he always put a drink in my hand and always feed me. You know, not only was he brilliant and a great cook, but he was a very generous man, both materially and psychologically. You could talk to him about anything that was on your mind, you know, and frankly, what was on our mind when we were single were women. <laughs> and, you know, you have rocky relationships with women and he was in your corner and would always talk to you about that. He'd always have time. He was very generous with his time. 
and he would always talk to you about was ever bothering you. Like I'd bring home work issues and he would lend his insight, which is profound and because he was so smart and understood things and asked good questions. I mean, the man was really generous with his time, with his money and, you know, and psychologically trying to help people out. A very generous man, Super Dave. Ironically, that generosity extended beyond his life here on Earth because he actually allocated money out of his estate to uh, fund the party that we're, and celebration we have uh, for his uh, passing the last couple of years. He actually had one of his friends manage a lot of his estate and had checks written to, to ex-girlfriends and girls that he knew uh, that he spent time with. And that generosity that you just explained, Jim, went to a level I had never heard of before or since. And it's just a testimony of everything that we say about him here. And I don't think we use the hyperbole uh, here. It's, it's really genuine what you and I feel and have witnessed in our tenure knowing Randy Larson. So it's a, it's a wonderful way to kick off uh, our NBA podcast, Jim. Yeah, he was a fine man. We miss him dearly. And, you know, his memory and legacy lives on. And Super Dave, we should be having another Randy Larson memorial party in a month or two. And yeah, I can't wait to around, see you, man. Yeah, it's usually around August. That, that's going to be fun. I look forward to it. It'll be a blast, Super Dave. So give me your thoughts. Now, I, I have to tell you that I cheated on you, and I did a podcast by myself uh, and about the, about the series before it started, and I picked Miami. So I got myself in a little bit of a hole. So what do you think? What are your thoughts about the series and how it's going, what the Heat need to do to get back in? Where would you like to go from here, Super Dave? I think uh, one of the themes of uh, many of our podcasts this year were the critical nature of coaching adjustments in, in, in playoff series uh, and in, you know, in, in the regular season of the NBA also, but it's more pronounced in playoff games. And every series that we've watched, uh, each game uh, has a, uh, a, a context to it, a feel to it, uh, a style to it that never, you know, carries over into the next game because each of the coaches uh, try to make uh, the adjustment to counter whatever uh, the other team is doing. And so as we start off the very final series and uh, Denver uh, uh, won over Miami starting off after Miami had won the first game of all their other playoff series, which is on the road nonetheless, and, and they beat a a Milwaukee team and they beat the Boston in Boston twice. And uh, uh, that's a, it's a remarkable uh, Miami heat heat, uh, heat team that was able to go on the road in game one, but he, they couldn't do it in Denver. Uh, it was a game where Miami only took two free throws, Jim. So I think what we're going to see as an adjustment from the, uh, Spolstra is that he's, I think they're going to be more aggressive going to the hole. And the other thing that's a constant 
topic is how to stop the Joker on Denver from dominating the game. He started off the game where he he hardly took uh, any shots in the first half, but he was uh, distributing the ball. And then when they needed him to score in the fourth quarter, uh, he had 12 points. So uh, it's it's pretty amazing uh, his uh, production and, and what he can do uh, with uh, different parts of the game. So it's going to have to be an adjustment by Miami. And I think Denver uh, thinks they can do the same thing and come away with it. But I think the 104 points that they only scored is an indication that Miami's playing some good defense on them, Jim. So first of all, let's talk about the Joker. Uh, you know, he, I don't think you can stop him. I mean, he's got so many, he does so many things. I've never seen a center so versatile. You know, Wilt is the only guy that comes to mind, you know, because the big centers, like, you know, the, the best centers, the Mount Rushmore of centers, you know, includes, you know, Bill Russell, certainly Kareem, Shaq, and Wilt, and now you got the Joker in there. And, you know, Wilt is the only one who can pass the ball like like the Joker can. I mean, you're right. In the first quarter, he was just setting everybody up. You know, didn't even look at the basket. Just let's get everybody off. It's amazing. And also, too, is like Shaq couldn't do that. Kareem couldn't do that. Bill Russell couldn't do that. The big centers of yore could not pass like 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 the Joker. Also, too, is, you know, rebounding and scoring. It's like he can do anything he wants out there. And Bam, out of Bayou, had a really good game, right? He had a really good game. He had a, a double-double, 26 points, 13 rebounds. But I don't see anybody stopping Joker, period. I don't think it can be done in, you know, in this series or any series, Super Dave. Because there, has, too- there has been nobody like him. Like you said, the only one close is Wilt. And uh, Wilt, uh, his passes were, were pretty generic, uh, and he did it from the low post, whereas – uh, Jokovic is doing it from uh, a free throw line uh, extended out near the top of the key. So it's a unique kind of offense they run, but it takes a unique talent uh, like Nikola Jokovic to do that. Here's some, <clears throat> I know you'd appreciate this, some stats about what you're saying about the Joker. In, in Jokic, 20 career games where he scored 40-plus points, Jim, okay? Uh-huh. The Nuggets are 13 and 7, 650 winning percentage. Now, there's 14 games uh, in his career where he posted 15 or more assists. In those 15 games, the Nuggets, or uh, with those in those 14 games, the Nuggets were 12 and 2, an 857 winning percentage. Pretty, pretty uh, dramatic, wouldn't you say? Whoa, that is a huge stat. So no wonder, I mean, statistically speaking, they have a much better chance of winning when he is passing the ball. That's what that number says. And if you focus just on this season, the Nuggets are 20 and 8, 
20 and 8, 714 winning percentage when uh, Jokic scores 30 or more points. And they are 25 and 1 when he dishes out 12 or more assists. 25. Oh. Show me that. I do. That would floor you, Jim. Oh, that is unbelievable statistics, Super Dave. Oh, I I applaud you. That is a great. I mean, that shows that those statistics really manifest his ability to make people better and how they started humming. Um, you know, in the in the first half, because you know, I know that the game was only an eleven. I believe it was an eleven point win for uh, for Denver, but. It felt like way more dominant than that. And in the first half, like you said, Joker was just passing. He was getting everybody involved. And people like like Aaron Gordon went off in the first half. I mean, he was hotter than hell. And, you know, Jamal Murray and, you know, Michael Porter Jr., they have some really, really good players. And they're long, too. I mean, those guys are long. Well, and yeah. I think it's not just that Gordon was hot, Jim. It's that he's he's physically uh, a, a, not a match for anybody that they were putting on him in the low post. And he was he was scoring those buckets right in close because he they they couldn't stop him. And the overall size of Denver versus Miami is going to be really problematic, Jim. Yeah, it's going to be really really tough. For for Miami to win, you know, to win this series, even though I picked them, and Super Dave, the reason I picked them, because I didn't pick them in. I didn't pick them to make even the play-in game early in the year in our first podcast. I didn't pick them to certainly didn't pick them to to beat Milwaukee. I didn't pick them to win to beat the Knicks, and and I didn't pick them to win Boston. So I figured I got to do it, um, you know, just because I made lousy picks. And maybe it's the English jinx, and maybe I jinx Miami. But it'll be interesting to see how they make the adjustment because I do believe that that set the tone, Joker to Aaron Gordon and a dunk or something right down low. I mean, he, you know, Aaron Gordon and Joker with the passing and the coaching by Malone, it was just, it was so evident in the beginning of that game that once again, it set the tone for the rest of the game. And I thought the game was over in the first quarter, even though there was the natural ebbs and flows and, you know, Highsmith came in and hit some shots. You know, there was, you know, this tone setting early by Aaron Gordon and Djokovic, I thought dictated the entire game. Well, the scenario was uh, in game one, would the nine days off be uh, a rust factor for the Nuggets? And was the fact that Miami came out of a, a brutal seven-game series with the uh, Boston Celtics, would they be tired and, and maybe a letdown? Well, as the game 
got started, you could tell that the uh, Denver team was not all that rusty. And, uh, and it didn't really look like uh, Miami was tired. But the, the factor for the Heat that is going to uh, dramatically change game two was the, the outside shooting. The, the three-point shooting, Jim, was just horrendous for Miami. And they were getting good looks. I mean, Max Strutz, uh was uh, 0 for 10 on field goals, 0 for 9 from three-point territory. Caleb Martin, who looked fabulous in the – in fact, a lot of people thought he was the most valuable player in the Boston series. He was uh, only 1 for 9 on his field goal shooting and, and 1 of 2 uh, from three-point line. And Duncan Robinson, uh, who – you know, is, is hot and cold. Uh, he can be a, a, a deadly force outside. He was only one for five. So those three combined to shoot two from 23 from the field, two from si- two for 16 from three-point range. So do you think they're going to be that cold again, Jim? So Super Dave, I got, let me, let me uh, see if I can mystify you with stats like you just did for me. okay so here's a stat for you so the quartet the undrafted quartet of the miami heat you know which is robinson strews vincent and martin right they shot they scored 52 percent of the points against boston in the seven game series right in the in the wins, in the four wins, they shot 58% from the field, okay? In the loss this time to the Nuggets, those four players, the undrafted quartet, scored 27%. So you're absolutely right that in order for Miami to win the series, these four players have got to hit. I mean, they've, they've got to do more. Now, Vincent stepped up. He had 19. But the rest of them had six points combined. And so these players have got to step up and do what they did, did against Boston, Super Dave. Well, here's another factor that uh, you've got to put in the – the mix here is that Jimmy Butler, we saw how he uh, nearly dominated the Milwaukee Bucks series with the Heat, and he had that 50-point game and averaged uh, in the 40s. Since that time, Jim, since the Milwaukee series, Butler's only been uh, averaging 23 points, and he's only been shooting 42% from the field. 42% and 23 a game is not going to cut it for the team. The, the leader that we all know needs to play at the top of his game, needs to be the, the force of the heat uh, if they're going to take. So I think the, the, the things to look for in tonight's game, and, and it was nice that we had that suggestion from uh, Mr. Geiger there about uh, kind of putting us in context. We, we've almost purposely not mentioned the dates and times so that we wouldn't date our podcast, but now as we get – Near the end, I think we want to make sure people understand that we're we're trying to follow the playoffs and the NBA for their benefit. So uh, the games tonight, I would look for how how good a game does Jimmy Butler have, and how much does Struess, Martin, and Robinson uh, increase their field goal percentage. I think those are 
the keys to the game tonight, uh, in addition to whatever uh, Miami can do to stop the Joker. And another thing that you pointed out was that Miami took two free throws and Denver 20 free throws. There was a 14-point differential from the free throw line. So, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what Spolstra does to make them more aggressive because I think their defense was fine. I mean, you know, Denver averaged almost like, um, uh, you know, 120 points. I believe it was 116 during the regular season and virtually the same during the playoffs, but they held them to 104 points. So their defense worked out pretty well. What actually helped was the fact that um, that Denver only shot 29% from the three-point line. And so I think that I'm looking for Denver, uh, for Miami to be more aggressive. And I'm also looking for somebody else to step up. I'm looking for Lowry to have a really big game tonight. And go ahead. The the adjustment I'm looking to, Jim, is that uh, when you saw that first quarter by Gordon and the domination uh, in close to the basket, I think uh, Spolster's got to take Kevin Love off the bench and uh, his size and his strength and his rebounding is going to nullify a little bit of the size advantage for the Nuggets. So that's another thing I think should be uh, uh, really uh, uh, noticed tonight uh, in the adjustments made by Miami. Yes, I think Miami, you know, Spolster, we all say that, you know, he is, he does so much with, you know, with players that are, you know, he's got, he's got good players, but not a bunch of great players. And he does so much. He always makes the playoffs. He, he does really well. Seems like Super Dave, you know, he's always in the conference finals this time of year. And we know he's a good coach, but I think he was taken by surprise when they pounded it down to, uh, to Aaron Gordon. So you're right. There's got to be an adjustment. And I think Kevin Love is the only guy that is big enough to contribute and maybe nullify that a little bit. Because you got a situation like Michael Porter Jr., the other wing, right? He is not a brute down low. He's, a, he's kind of a mad bomber. And he had a double-double, but he didn't shoot that well, actually. So he shot five for 16 from the field. And, you know, they can cover the wings pretty well with the, you know, with the four undrafted players and Jimmy Butler. But, you know, down low, you're right. There's going to have to be an adjustment or this series is going to be over in four, Super Dave. Well, you talked uh, a little earlier about your uh, your predictions against Miami uh, coming down the stretch and in the season and in the playoffs. And I think uh, what we were all reacting to was the fact that uh, Tyler Hero was gone from a team that really needed a lot of, uh, of scoring depth. I mean, you saw in the first game that it was a Bayou 
Adebayo was the only one really scoring. Even uh, Jimmy Butler wasn't doing much. So uh, we thought Miami needed him as that. And then Oladipo uh, that contributed, he was gone with an injury. So it really didn't seem plausible that uh, the Heat was going to be in the mix in the playoffs. And you and I both wrote them off and put uh, Boston, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee as the uh, as the favorites to come out of the East, and we were dead wrong. Now, I don't uh, really endorse your uh, prediction strategy of now changing boats here in the middle of the stream <laughs> just because you've been burned. But Spolster uh, is the guy that, that is able to do more with less and to do, do whatever he's got with him. So I think the game tonight is really critical to see is coaching, is the adjustment, is the, the the difference in strategy going to make up the difference in the fact that we all say we can see Denver's bigger, we know they had the better season record, they're the better team overall, most clearly on that count, which does not guarantee anything, okay? They have the home court advantage. So I think it's going to be these, these nuances that you and I are identifying. It's going to make anybody listening to this podcast turn on that game at at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time, to see how the heat counters all these things for Denver. And I think you and I are bringing out the uh, uh, the essence of that. And I think the, the lack of Hero and Oladipo is what, what really led us away from Miami. But they have certainly uh, had a coaching upgrade and uh, the, the, the way the team's playing. But I think Jimmy Butler also is going to have to get back to a as dominant or as powerful as he was in the Milwaukee Bucks series, Jim. I agree. I mean, he's going to have to be a force. And, you know, even though he's 33 years old and he's got a lot of mileage on him and he's beaten up, he is still Jimmy Butler with a massive will, with a massive will. And I think that, you know, that I, I like Denver King on him. Because it wasn't that he shot poorly. He just didn't shoot that much. He had 13 points on six shots. Uh, I'm sorry. He was, uh, I believe he was six for 13 from the field. So what, what Denver was doing is they were, they were allowing, you know, the, the undrafted quartet to shoot because they took a lot of shots. They just couldn't hit them. So if they start hitting, it'll open it up for Jimmy Butler. And also, too, you know, three-point shot is critical because <laughs> here's another stat for you. Is in Boston, Miami shot 50% from three, three points. 50%. And they were 33% in Denver in the first game. I mean, you know, with the size differential, with the Joker, you know, being such a massive, indestructible force, because he, I swear, he can't be stopped. You know, he's not going to have a bad game. You know, he is not, it's just not going to happen. They have to hit the three. The quartet's going to have to step up. That'll free Butler. And hopefully Kevin Love, and contribute some rebounds in interior defense, Super Dave, to nullify the Aaron Gordon factor that really took Miami by surprise, Super Dave. 
Well, you're right about the Joker. He, he doesn't have, to my knowledge, and I've watched them all season long, he just doesn't really have off games. He might have an off game shooting, but he makes up for rebounds and assists. And he might not dish out a bunch, but then he goes he goes for big numbers in the 30s and 40s. So he he is a, a brilliant player in not only his versatility, but his his ability to morph into what is needed for the team. So it, it, it's a fascinating matchup now of a dominant player like that, a team that is, you know, they've surrounded him with the players that make the, the Denver Nuggets uh, the best record uh, in the NBA. And now they've got a 1-0 lead in the series, but that is still not a guarantee of victory. There's things in the NBA. Every one of these players that steps on the court, Jim, is a premium athlete and, and basketball player. They are the best in the world. And when you go from the top to you, you get down to the five or six or seven level, boy, they're, they're, all of a sudden the talents tend to blend. So uh, I think there's some fascinating aspects to the series. And I'm looking forward to the game tonight, Jim. Yeah. You know, another thing that's going to be interesting, too, is that, that Miami did a real good job of defensing the three-point shot. They were uh, 29% from uh, – Denver was 29% from the three-point three line. But they were 50% overall in their field goal percentage. So they were in the high 50s in field goal percentage from two-point shots. So, you know, the game within the game, let's guard the three-point line and then Denver reacted by, well, starting off down low to Aaron Gordon and shooting real well from two points. So it'll be interesting to see Spolstra, a very intelligent coach, one of the best, if not the best in the NBA, how he adapts and takes, takes defensive assets away from the three-point line and move them into the two-point area to mitigate that high field goal percentage that Denver did from, you know, uh, from up close and in, you know, for two points. So it'll be interesting to see if they, once again, take some of their three-point defense and put it in the two-point defense to slow them down a little bit, Super Dave. Okay, well, you stepped right into my statistical trap, Jim. I can't believe you leading me to this. I'm going to throw some more stats at you. Get your notepad out because you're going to be fascinated. In the 18 games leading to the finals for the Miami Heat, they've shot 43.1% on catch-and-shoot threes. That's just flip to them, catch it, and shoot, 43.1%. They've shot... 45.6% on wide open threes. Okay. That means that the Heat generated more wide open looks in, in game three. Uh, no, uh, from, let me see, uh, what was, uh, they, the Heat generated more wide open looks uh, from three in game one, 16. There were 16 wide open looks. And, and they averaged through the first three rounds of the playoff, which was 11.3. So no player is immune to an off-shooting night, Jim. But when you get a wide-open three, you know, it sometimes is, uh, is, is tricky in that you, 
you you think too much. You know, as a as right. a shooter myself, I was best when I just I, I look at the basket and just let it fly. Yeah, you're not thinking about it, and you know sometimes, and you can see them too. You know, they kind of lose their rhythm. You know, that they'll they'll take a shot, a three point shot. You see this a lot in basketball is when you got somebody hanging over you and all you can do is just catch the ball, go up and shoot, you know, you're more in the flow. But if you stop and you take a breath, sometimes you don't hit as many as you think you're going to hit. So that's an interesting stat, Super Dave. And you are like turning into, you know, Mr. Statistician here. I love it. Well, you know, uh, when we focus in on just one game, one series now, we can't, we don't spread all our thoughts over the game so we can focus in a little bit more. And so you, you kind of take the microscope and, uh, and, and go in a little bit closer. Uh, to the other side of the point, uh, they're, they're, the uh, inside, teams have had success against Denver in the regular season uh, by scoring 52.5 points in the paint. And the postseason post uh, – 48.7 points are allowed in the paint uh, entering game one, attacking the basket. So the Heat finished game one with just 38 points in the paint, Jim, nearly 11 points fewer than the Nuggets have allowed in their, in their first three rounds. So that two free throws that, that only – can you imagine that just taking two free throws an entire game? That's got to be one of the biggest adjustments for Spolstra – uh, he's got to get. He's got to get in the paint. He's got to attack Denver there, and he's got to get to the free throw line. Interesting that you know that they absolutely agree. You know, Denver needs to number one defend is is defend two point area better, and number two is to shoot better. You know, in the paint, they got to go to the free throw lines. You know, I mean, you just can't. I mean, a, a sixteen. You know, I'm sorry, an eight, 18 point differential in the amount of free throws you take in a game in the playoffs when you only lose by 11 is huge. I mean, it's gigantic. So you're right. It'll be very interesting what Spolstra does to defend the two and also score two super. Well, again, I, 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 you, you led me to the another stat. I hate to keep throwing these out, but the Heat now are three and four in the playoffs. Three and four when they're attempting thirty-five or more threes. Okay, when they attempt thirty-five or fewer three-pointers, they're nine and three. Big difference, don't you see? Yeah, huge difference. Very interesting. So they got it. You know. They got to step up. And by the way, for those that are listening, we don't rehearse this. So the fact we're playing off each other with these stats is strictly coincidental. We do our independent studies when we when we do the analysis of the games. We don't compare notes beforehand. Spontaneity. That's what the Jim Super Dave and Jim show is. Is spontaneity. Well, I so, don't refer to you with the stats, but I just I just knew that these were stats that you would just love for the for this final playoff series. Oh, I, I, you're usurping my stat status, yeah. <laughs> and, and I love it. Oh, I absolutely love it. So, how do you see the game tonight unfolding, Super Dave? 
I, I've been thinking about that and really, really fascinated about how this, this game is played out. I see, I see Miami. It sounds like when you look at the things that we do, the stats, we just went over the threes that they missed, the opportunities they missed, the, the, the fact about not going to the free throw line. If some of those, just some of those are corrected and they do something to, you know, at least, uh, well, certainly they can do something to, if, if they take my Kevin Love suggestion, to, to nullify some of those uh, early uh, underneath baskets. I think Miami keeps this game close, and I think they would have a chance where everybody thought the best chance they had of taking the, a game in Denver would be game one. I think it might be this game. So I've got a sneaking suspicion that Miami is going to surprise us again and pull out a close one in Denver. I, I'm pulling for Denver myself personally, but I'm so respectful of, of Spolstra and that Heat team. Uh, I just got a, 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 just a hunch that the, the Heat pulls this one out in a very close game. Yes, I, that's what I think, too, is the, the undrafted quartet will step up. Two or three of those guys stepping up and hitting bombs and keeping it close. I think that they'll continue to play, you know, tough defense, and they did. I mean, holding holding a Denver team to 104 points is an accomplishment. And I think fourth quarter, here's my prediction, is that Lowry is going to go off. He's going to go off. He's going to pull like a Jamal Murray and get 12 in the fourth quarter, he'll get hot, and and Miami wins. That's a, that's an interesting prediction, and uh, uh, and, and Lowry is, is another one of kind of my favorite players. But I I've seen some real deterioration in his his game. Uh, he's he he takes the ball uh, aggressively down court, and then he sort of loses. He gets out of control sometimes. He's not hitting that deadly 17, 20-footer out front as regularly as he has been. But uh, in any given game, Jim, you were right. He, that's a guy that can go off on you. It's very it's, – it's not – wouldn't be surprising for me to, to see him. But I, the, the guy I'm looking at uh, for Miami to catch fire is Caleb Martin. I think he's, he's a, a, a star in the making. I think he's going to be an exceptional player, and I think it's not just uh, – a, a, an aberration that he's all of a sudden stepped up in the last couple of weeks uh, on off game in game one. But uh, I think they're going to have to have a big game from, from Martin, an exceptional game from Butler to win this game. I, I think that that'll be the grind out portion for the first three quarters is Caleb Martin is uh, he's going to be pissed. He had three points. He played poorly. He had a lousy plus minus. His plus minus, I believe, was 17. And I think he is going to also step up. I think that the quartet, the undrafted quartet, are going to shoot, you know, 40 to 45 to 50 percent from three-point land. That'll keep it close. And you know, I just don't think that that. Uh, Spolstra will allow 
Mr. Gordon to go off like he did, and I think you're right, that uh, that Kevin Love, by the way, who is a nephew of one of the Beach Boys, um, is uh, he won't go off. He'll he'll only have a mediocre game, Super Dave. I played against uh, Stan Love, Kevin Love's father, uh, in uh, who played at Morningside High. He was a uh, sophomore when I was a senior at Inglewood High, and he 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 just came up. He was he was six seven at the time, six seven six eight, and he came off the bench. Uh, in in the game in Morningside, and he was you know really raw to show you how raw he was. He he inadvertently turned and shot and made a basket on our end of the floor. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So uh, I do have a connection with uh, with Kevin Love through his father, Stan Love, played against his dad, and he played the NBA. Yeah. So yeah, for quite a few years, a very very good player, uh, and he grew to six nine and. Uh, uh, he was a yeah he he was a a, a, a really good shooter. Uh, the other guy I'm thinking of for uh, Miami that could could go off because he's he's had a couple of bad games. He's been missing a couple of open shots. Duncan Robinson, if he gets hot from three, uh, that's going to spell a lot of problems for Denver. Yeah, and when he's when he is hot, you know it's funny watching him, Super Dave, because. He is, when he is hot, when he hits his first two shots, he is brimming with confidence. He exudes it. You can see it in the way he moves. You can also see it, the defense reacting to it, too. And if he hits a couple of shots, you know, they're going to have to figure it out, and there won't be any double teaming of Jimmy Butler then, you know, because he is critical. The quartet hitting shots is critical Jimmy Butler, because the buckets will be only single team, and he is so tough with that mid, you know that that mid range baseline jump shots. Um, you know, so it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how Spolstra makes the adaption from game one to game two to get buckets more shots. And to hold them down in the two-point area, Super Dave. Well, what, what you're saying about Jimmy Butler is uh, not just his shooting, but it, what we've just talked about. If he sees Lowry hot or if he sees Martin hot or he sees Robinson hot, he knows how to get them the ball. So he is a uh, – when I said earlier about him, he needs to have a big game. I don't mean necessarily a scoring game. He's got to play a better all-around game. He's he he was not aggressive enough. Didn't go to the line enough. Part part of uh, part of his scoring uh, prolificness is the fact when he when he goes to the hole and gets fouled. But I think he's got to uh, mix in, being more aggressive going in the hole and get the ball to the right players. I mean, Adebayo was the only really scoring threat last time. If he continues to shoot and two or three of those guys we just mentioned get hot, uh, that's where Denver's going to have a little problem because there's some firepower on the heat that uh, just can't be can't be overlooked. And what you were saying about Duncan Robinson when he gets hot, I just remember the inconsistency of the heat in the regular season when when Tyler Hero was playing because Hero's another guy that, that just 
lofts it from up deep and uh, and it go, goes wild with, with confidence when he gets it going. So when him, uh, Hero, and Robinson would be hitting it and Butler would be hitting his shot and the Bayou would be mixing it up inside, uh, they were they were a scoring machine at times. So uh, it's a Jekyll and Hyde team at that, that uh, Miami Heat. And we'll see who shows up tonight, Jim. Well, I hope it's Jekyll. I hope Dr. Jekyll, um, Dr. Eric Spolster Jekyll, will, <laughs> will make the whole thing work. Super Dave, you know that you're the guest on Who Gives a Shit Files, and you get last word. So tell me what your thoughts are about the NBA, about the game tonight, about the series in general. What are your thoughts, Super Dave? Well, I think it's a, a very interesting wind-up to the season. The, uh, the matchup was unexpected, uh, even though Denver had the, 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 the big record in the regular season. Nobody expected the Heat to be there. A lot of people didn't believe the, uh, the depth and the, uh, really the, the solidness of the Denver Nuggets. So it's a surprising one, but it's, it's a fascinating matchup. Leading up to it was fascinating. This has been a wonderful season with you, with the podcast, Jim. Uh, what I'd like to say at the end, and I've said it several times before, if you're a casual uh, basketball fan and want to get less less casual and more in-depth into it, listen to our podcast because we don't just throw out the stats. We give you uh, some other nuances. You know, I occasionally throw in my old-time stuff to give you a perspective of the old NBA because I go back to 1958 watching – uh, these pro basketball players play, but it's fun doing this podcast with you. It's it's really heartwarming that we dedicate it to our mutual friend Randy Larson every week, and I just look forward to these. And I want more people to to hear about us, Jim, and uh, to tune into the uh, Don't Give a Shit Files and the uh, podcast we do. Okay, thank you, Super Dave, and we will be talking next week, no doubt. So, everybody, have a good time. Watch the game tonight. And, you know, I'm I'm pulling for Miami. Thank you, Super Dave, for showing up. See you, Jim.